Summer is a really great time. Um, it's uh, a great time to have a suntan, get burned in some cases. Great time to have fun uh, with family and friends. It's a great time to go to camp, and that's the story that I'm going to be sharing with you uh, today as we uh, go into part two of our series, Summer Stories. Next week, um, Caitlin is going to be um, preaching, and she's going to be sharing a story from her past. Uh, and then after that, we have Mike, and then Stephanie's going to be preaching for a couple weeks. So I'm really excited about the upcoming um, lineup of speakers, as well as the fact that I will have a little bit of a break. But that just is good news for you, because uh, I'm really excited for the series we're going to do in the fall, and that I'm going to have time to prep over the next couple weeks um, about uh, living life, a better life, um, about uh, a series in October called Stranger Things, um, based on the Netflix series, slash not anything to do with the Netflix series, uh, but all about some of the stranger parts, especially the spiritual parts of Christianity, um, that you especially if you're not new or if you're new to Christianity, it could seem a little strange. Um, and then uh, we got some things about um, space and God and the universe. It's going to be really exciting. Uh, so I look forward to sharing all those things with you. And I look forward to hearing from Caitlin next week. So that's what's coming up. But part two, summer series, uh, summer stories today and uh, summer camp, like I was talking about. Um, I, uh, in high school, uh, as a junior, um, got, I don't know, nominated, selected something uh, to go from, to represent my high school, I think there was like only three or two, or there was very few um, men, uh, boys, let's be honest, um, that got nominated to go to this camp. It was an all-boys camp, uh, and it's in the state of Iowa. It's kind of all over the United States, but every state has their own. And uh, this camp was at Camp Dodge uh, in uh, Johnston, uh, Johnston in uh, the Des Moines area, and it's a military base, a National Guard base, if you don't know where that is. And so uh, we get the military experience, you know, you eat at the mess house, you have um, your barracks, so to speak, and so all the boys are in their barracks and their bunk beds, and it's just a full, you know, experience, so to speak. And uh, the whole purpose of this particular camp was for um, boys to learn about government. That was the intent. That was the purpose. And that, uh, and, and to learn about it, uh, you actually ran for office. And it was all about state government. And so uh, you, everybody had the opportunity, all the, the boys there from all around the state of Iowa, um, nominated by their own high schools and stuff, would have the opportunity to run for, you know, imaginary state office like the governor or the secretary of state, and then you could run for county office, and then you could run for your local office of your barracks as like the mayor of the barracks, which pretty much nothing, but that's beside the point. And so, um, anyway, so you do this for, for an entire week, okay? And so um, I, when I went, and they kind of explained what we were doing the entire week and that you ran for office, all that kind of stuff, um, I thought to myself, okay, well, that, that that sounds fun. I'm going to, you know, I'm here. Let's give it a shot. But I'm not going to try for like one of the bigger offices. I'm not going to try for the governorship, if you will. I'm going to try to find a middle of the road. You know, hopefully there's not that many opponents that I'll have to run against. And hopefully I'll just kind of be a shoe in. <laughs> and so I can get the experience, but not, you know, have the, uh, you know, the big political, um, it, you know, ness of it. And, uh, and so I can't remember what I picked. It was a secretary job in the, in the state. And, and uh, then they broke the boys half and half, one party and one in the uh, half in the other party. And I don't even know what party I was in, but uh, so I thought I, I started campaigning. And so I went to every barracks, and I think I even found somebody who wanted to be the assistant of whatever secretary I was. It, that was. Fun. And so we went around all these barracks and I introduced myself and I said, I'm running for this and, and shook hands and smiled and told everybody why I'd make a great candidate for this imaginary state government. 
and, uh, and then, then it, it, it came time for the speeches. You know, so I put in some work trying to meet everybody and, you know, doing the handshaking thing. Then it was time for speeches, and so everybody had to write a speech and stand up in front of their entire party, so like 300-some um, guys and, or boys, whatever, and, and you, you give them the spiel right, and so um, it was my turn for uh, my secretary position, and I, I just remember that there was one, only one other candidate, so I thought my odds were pretty good, at least 50%, and... That's a joke. That's math right for you. Okay, 50% chance of winning, and um, he went first in his speech, and so I had mine written out, and I noticed, and, and this should always be like a cue for you. When somebody walks up to a podium and they have no notes, they're either going to be amazing or they have no idea what they're about to do, okay? And what happened next made me feel inside and probably on my face as well something close to this emoji. This was... This was the face that I had. This next, next slide. The next, nope. Oh, wait. Oh, no, the emoji didn't make it in there. It's the shocked emoji, okay? Just look it up on your phone. I don't know what happened to it. Maybe it got lost. I deleted it incidentally in the slides. Just trust me. It was a shocked emoji, okay? I was like, <coughs> okay. Oops, sorry. All right? So <clears throat> it was that shocking. Okay. And um, because here's what he did, okay? He got up to the podium. And he took a second, you know, and everybody's like, oh, no, what's going to happen? So he's got their attention. I mean, this was really smart on his part. And then he just said, I like, really loudly, I like, and then he um, said uh, a part of the female anatomy, okay? And then he walked away. And everybody went, yeah, woohoo, you know, oh, they were so excited. And I'm just like, okay. <clears throat> Because I'm like, what, what just happened? What just happened? You know, part of me was like, wait, this has, that has nothing to do with what we're supposed to be doing here. You know, we're supposed to be more into learning about government and stuff. And you just like, it was, I don't know. I mean, it was probably so high school, but very middle school too. And, and I'm like, what, what, what is going to happen here? I was, I was very uh, frustrated. And I felt like, you know, this was just really fair. Really. I, like he, he short-circuited the system, so to speak, and he took it in a direction it wasn't meant to do, and here was my speech, and it was I, probably bad, but it, you know, wasn't anything special. And, and, and then, you know, as I kind of processed it more, just watching all the guys like this, and I think he might have gone off the stage, and he was high-fiving people and all this stuff, and, and I just, as I processed through this, I came to the realization that, that he was going to win. He was going to win, and that was his speech. I don't even know if he campaigned. I don't know if he shook as many hands as I shook, um, but, but that was his speech. And, and I got more and more frustrated by that, and it turns out he actually did win, and he won by a large margin. I mean, I really lost to the guy who really liked blank. And I thought, that, <laughs> I thought to myself, um, this, is, this is really simply just unfair. Now, I know for some of you, you're probably thinking, where were the adults? And let's be fair. Some adults are teenagers, you know, and so they were there, you know, it's like a boys group, and, and that has been used as an excuse to do things we probably shouldn't for many, 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 many times um, in the past and present, uh, for that matter, and, but anyways, um, anyways, it really got me, it, it really upset me, and, and maybe in a situation similar to that, where you worked really hard at something, you really tried at something, um, and then it, what was supposed to happen didn't work out, and then to make matters worse, somebody else got what you wanted. Somebody else won, and you lost, even though you, you know, tried to do the right thing 
for the most part. You tried to, to do um, the thing that was the good thing to do. You tried to give it your all, so to speak. Uh, especially if you're Christian um, and you grew up Christian, there's a, a, a famous verse. Um, it's, not, it's quoted a lot, but not necessarily you know, associated with Christianity so much. But we've talked about it before on, on Sundays. And especially if you come at this from a Christian perspective, it can be very frustrating because you think to yourself, aren't there some words that Paul spoke in the book of Galatians or the letter to the church in Galatia? And, and Paul said this. He said, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And when you look at a verse like this, you think to yourself, okay, wait a second. That kid, what did he, did he sow? But then he seemed to win a reap a victory. And I felt like I had sowed a lot better, you know, a, a, a lot, uh, you know, more well-intentioned. And yet he was the one who reaped the win and I simply reaped the loss. It feels fair. And, and especially, again, from a Christian perspective, you look at it and you say, well, if God's not supposed to be mocked, uh, it feels like in this situation, he definitely was mocked. So what's up with that? What's up with that unfairness? You know, I tried and, and he, he won. Maybe, maybe that was a situation that you've experienced, that time when you reaped nothing or very little and somebody else reaped everything. And, and you feel like it's backwards, you feel like it's upside down. You feel like it's unjust, and it leaves you angry. And over time, it could actually lead you to be bitter, you know, because you showed up on time. You just showed up in, together. Um, you were honest when other people weren't, yet they reaped the benefits. This pandemic has been very contentious, especially around the topic of masks, which has been a difficult thing to navigate, or vaccines, right? And in there, I'm sure there are a lot of people on, in a lot of different perspectives who really feel like they're sowing the right thing, but they keep reaping the wrong things. They're trying to do the right thing in their minds, but yet they're, you know, receiving negative feedback or vice versa, and, and it just feels unjust. Maybe that's been your experience over the past few years. Maybe you worked really hard on a project for work, but somebody else got the credit, or you had to pay for other people's mistakes. You know, it's fine when you pay for other people's mistakes until they're like, you know, 13, 15, 16, but after that, you know, it's like, you got to pay for your own mistakes, yet I keep paying for them, and you're 35. So anyways, you know, those situations, and they're frustrating. And why does this principle of reaping what you sow not work out all the time? So if you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, Taylor, this is, this is so good. You're speaking to me right now. Uh, I've had these situations. I felt this injustice. This is like the story of my life. That's fantastic. I got so much to help you with today. But for just a moment, I want us all to acknowledge, first and foremost, this is very important, that we are biased towards ourselves. Okay. We're pretty biased towards ourselves. Like, we tell people we work harder than we really do, okay? You know, we, we worked eight hours, but we tell them we work ten, you know? And that we're really stressed, and we got so much on our plate, um, even though 50% of our own suffering, at least 50-plus percent of our own suffering, is probably self-induced. You know, we were there when we made that decision that led to that bad thing, and we reaped the... the, the, the um, the negativity or the uh, badness of that situation. And so, you know, we were there for that, but we don't really want to own that self-inflicted harm. We want to put it on other people. Um, you know, we know we could have done better, but we really don't want to admit that, that we're not as amazing as we think we are. But I think it's really important that we acknowledge at least first that we were there for most of it. I'm not saying that to make you feel guilty and terrible. I'm just saying that to be honest, because that's a great 
place to start. It's best to build off of honesty. The other thing I want to acknowledge about this is the law of reaping and sowing is not a law. It's just a principle. A law is something like the law of gravity. It just always works, right? If if an object has enough mass, there's a gravity that you can feel um, when you're around it. All of us have mass and all of us um, have gravity, but it's just so small that we don't feel it. But when you're on planet Earth, you feel that gravity. It's, it's a law, but this is a principle. It doesn't always work out 100% of the time in all the ways that you think it should. It's just a principle that says most situations, you reap what you sow, but not everything works exactly as planned. So what do we do? What do we do when we're reaping something we don't feel like we, re- we deserve? Do we just give up? In some cases, we just get angry at God and we point fingers at him. You know, this is why it's important to acknowledge this. We point fingers at God. Um, we try to do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result, which is the definition of insanity, yeah. We become bitter. We stop taking chances. None of that is good, and we know those are bad options, but that's what we go with. We're tempted to try those things. We're tempted to just give up. It's what we do. So I want to offer two alternative suggestions to you this morning. What do you do with an unfair, unjust world? And to do that, I want to provide a little introduction, a little analogy, a little principle um, for you because it'll make what we're going to jump into a little more rich. Um, And this principle that I want to introduce to you is um, that all of us, all of us produce fruit. In Jesus' day and the biblical author's day, they often use agricultural analogies because everybody understood agriculture, and these days, not so much. You know, farming has has changed significantly, even for those of us who live in Iowa. Um, But essentially, when Jesus and um, his followers and some of the Bible writers, authors, um, spoke, they used agricultural analogies. And Jesus often would say and reference, and Paul would often reference, this idea that we bear fruit. We're like a plant. And we bear or produce some form of fruit. And it's really important to understand um, that concept that all of our actions, all of our decisions result in something. In other words, all of our actions produce some form of fruit. It might not be the fruit we want. It might not have been the job that we want, the business, the income, the car, the house, the relationships. But it's going to result in something. Okay? So we all bear fruit. So for example, um, what was the fruit that was produced in my opening story at the camp? What fruit was produced? Anybody want to take a stab at the fruit that was produced by the gentleman who said he really likes blank? Bad fruit. Bad fruit. It's not a trick question. Bad fruit. Okay. Bad fruit. Okay. Some of you are like, I don't, good fruit? I don't, I'm so confused. Bad fruit. <laughs> yeah, okay, get your minds back here. Okay, <clears throat> what fruit was fruit? Bad fruit. That's not what you should be doing at a high school camp as a junior in high school, okay? That's probably not what you want your kids to do. I think if there were some parents present at that moment, they would have been like, oh, that's not my child, but it was. Okay, so what, what fruit was produced? Bad fruit. Okay, but think about this, because what? Did anyone learn anything? Did anyone learn anything when that individual got up there and said what he did? No. They, well, I'm getting there. Yeah, they learned bad things, but we're not there yet. Yes. Uh, the, did the, was the world a better place? No. Did it follow the mission and the intention of the whole camp? No. And would you want your kids to behave that way? Of course not. The opposite was true, right? Bad fruit was produced. The celebrated values that 
we shouldn't normally celebrate, right? It's way off the intention of what it was supposed to be. So that brings us to point one, okay? Point one. Even, hear me on this, even when we win, even when we win, all of our actions produce fruit. Even when we win, all actions that led up to that point will produce some fruit. How many high school guys left that camp thinking to themselves, if I talk about women like this, other guys will like me? If I'm at a camp with 300 plus guys that were selected by their high school leaders and teachers and all that stuff are here and they cheered and celebrate when another guy gets up and says a statement like that, what do you think they're going to leave the camp thinking? And then if, all, if that individual that said that voted into office by an overwhelming margin, I mean, my speech was not great, but it wasn't that bad, okay? It was just that his speech was well, the high school guy, much better, okay? And so, <laughs> but the, the fruit was, the fruit that was produced was going to be bad fruit, even though he won. There's bad implications. This happens all the time in the Olympics, right? Athletes win, and then you find out, oh, they were on drugs, or they were cheating somehow, and it's just crushing, right? It's just so disappointing when that happens. Or they're they're a star athlete, but then they're abusing their their loved ones at home. You know, you find out about that stuff. They're still a winner as far as the world's concerned, as far as the sport's concerned, but there's bad fruit being produced. It doesn't change that. And it's important for us to know that even if you win, as far as the world is concerned, people can still be hurt along the way. Why? Because all of our actions produce fruit. Not just some, all of our actions produce fruit. Some way, somehow. Some are more difficult to see than others. Some of them are not more noticeable until a reporter digs into them. But they're still there. I worked at a church out... um, I worked at a uh, church organization that was 25, at least 25 times larger than Infused Church. This is a large organization. And because they were so large, it was really easy for other churches and pastors, because I talked to them, and other churches and pastors would look at their organization and say, we must be doing something wrong. They're far more successful than we are. They're producing much better fruit than we are. They're winning, and we are failing. And it was so easy for pastors to let bitterness sink in because they were comparing and contrasting themselves to other people. But what no one knew, except for those people in the organization, is that their turnover rate among their church staff was about 70 plus percent a year. What do you have to do, your employees, to have a 70 plus percent turnover rate? That's incredible. Especially among a Christian organization whose greatest command is to love your neighbor. Fruit on the outside looked good, but the inside of the fruit was bad. But bad fruit was still being produced. It was still rotting inside. It was still struggling to hold up that shiny exterior. But it's bad fruit. If you cut into it, it's still bad. It doesn't change the fact that the outside is shiny. It's still bad. And we have to wrap our minds and our hearts around that concept. 
and trust that that is the case. There is some truth to reaping and sowing. It's just difficult to find because all of our actions produce fruit. And I don't say this so that you leave here today and you hope that your con- competitors or your arch enemies or whomever you're thinking about right now who you just hope kind of get it. I don't, want you to, you, I don't want you to leave here thinking to yourself, oh, that's good. Now I can sleep easier knowing that they're suffering in some way because they're producing bad fruit. I don't want you to leave here thinking that because people are still getting hurt. When bad fruit is produced, people get hurt. People will bite into it. People will take that and it will ultimately hurt them. My point in saying this is to caution you to not make the same mistake as those other people. To not go down the, the path of, well, everybody else is producing bad fruit, so then I will too. But it's also to not despair. It's also that you would not despair in the fact that you don't know the bigger picture. Sure, somebody else may be the winner, but it doesn't mean that what they're producing is holy and good. The world may not consider you a winner. Your friends, your family, your your peers may not consider you a winner, but you can know. There is an opportunity for you to know that you did the right thing. And you can know that you did the right thing when you know your answer to this next question. This is point two. Who keeps you rooted? If you're producing fruit, who's keeping you rooted? Who's holding the whole thing together? Who are you getting your nutrients from? Who's providing you the health? I don't, I don't want to you know, insult your intelligence, but to produce fruit, you have to be connected to something bigger. You have to be rooted in something. It just doesn't show up on the vine. It comes from somewhere. It's connected to something. Here's a picture of a grape, and this is the analogy Jesus used and Paul used, and because everybody, well, fruit is sweet, like fruit, they're attracted to fruit. In those days, it was like the candy of 2,000 years ago because it's how you got your sugar, okay? It's fruit, but this didn't show up. It's connected via a branch to a vine, to a root system, and so it's really important if that we understand this analogy and take it to its next conclusion that who we're connected to or who we're rooted in or what we're rooted in, that place or that value system or that person should theoretically inform the fruit we produce. For example, if you are rooted in good soil and you are connected to a strong vine, then you can weather storms better. You can weather drought better. You can weather the challenges of life better. You can look at a situation where you may be seen as the loser differently because of who or what you're rooted in. And we know this principle. We even have an expression for it. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And who's the tree? Parents. And we have that expression because we know that kids, they'll be different, but they'll not be that different. Because parents are one of the strongest root and and, uh, vine systems that we have. And so that you can be different, you can fall from the tree, but you're not going to get that far from the tree. Parents shape kids. They provide structure and food and guidance as you grow. For most of us, when we go overseas or we experience different cultures, it may be sometimes a little off-putting. Why? Because we're rooted in the American culture. We're rooted in the American ethos, in the American food system. And so when you go somewhere else and try something different, it may feel a little off-putting. Not because it's wrong or bad. It's just because we're rooted in a particular culture. It's why there's peer pressure. 
Because you may be so rooted into the people around you for your self-worth and affirmation and value that when your peers go somewhere else or they do something different, you look at them and you say, well, if they're doing that, I got to do that too. Because if I don't, I'm going to lose what keeps me rooted. So then, and this is where we really got to pay attention. Then this is where we listen to Jesus. And then we imagine, Christian or not, the implications of what Jesus is saying. Because what Jesus is about to lay down here is so important that we just kind of skim by it. We're like, oh, that's cool, Jesus, good, good idea, I like that. But like, for real, if we produce fruit, if all action, every single day, the hundreds of thousands of actions we take in a year matter and produce fruit, then shouldn't we be making sure we're rooted in something that really is important, something that's going to provide good nutrients, so here's what I want you to do for the next few minutes. Just really pay attention. Christian or not, don't put your walls up. Just hear me out and think about it and consider what we're about to jump into. Here's Jesus. Here's what he said. He said, I, I am the vine. Or to say it a different way, depending on where you are in your faith journey, I can be the vine for you. And you are the branches. I want to be the thing that brings you nutrients. I want to be the thing that keeps you rooted. I want to be your structure. I want to be your system. I want to be the culture around you. And you are going to be the branch. I want to be connected to you. And I want you to be connected to me. I'm the vine. You are the branch. And if, big if here, if you remain in me and I in you, this is not just a I'm using you relationship. This is a two-way relationship. We're connected. You will bear much fruit. You will bear the fruit that gives life. You will bear fruit that can stand up and weather the storm because you're getting your nourishment from me, creator of the universe. You're going to bear fruit, as he described it, and Paul described it, fruit that is love, fruit that is patient, fruit that is kind and forgiving, a fruit that people desire to have in their lives, a fruit that gives life and doesn't take life. It brings joy and smiles and well-being to yourself and to others because it is good. It is good. And then he goes on and he says this, and this is where we feel a little uncomfortable and so we skip this part, but it's so also important because there's a contrast here. It's not just one it's not just one option. It's, you have two roads to go here. You can be connected or not be connected. And he said, if you're apart from me, if you're not connected from me, you can do nothing, which I remember as a non-Christian hearing this verse and thinking, well, I'm just going to write this whole thing off because that's just factually untrue. I can do a lot of things, Jesus. Try me. And he's, the point he's making here is you can do things, but they're not things that are going to last. They're not things that are going to really transform yourself and others. They're going to be things that fall away over time. They're going to be things that people avoid. And so he's, he's making an extreme point here, but his point is true nonetheless. He's saying, you're going to do things that inevitably will lead to nothingness, nothing of value, nothing that you want. It's not the kind of fruit you want to buy at the store, it's the fruit that they throw away. In fact, that's what he says. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. 
Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. And you're like, that's dramatic. Woohoo! Hot. They'd be referencing hell. I don't know. That's why I'm going to be preaching on Stranger Things in October. So, you know, mark your calendar. Be here all of October. But anyways, we're going to talk about hell. Um, I'm giving you a heads up so you can plan. Maybe that's a good week to be on vacation. I don't know. But anyways, so what? Jesus, this is not good. And he's like, yeah, it's not good. Because listen, you don't want to be around people that are producing bad fruit. Do you? Of course not. You want to be around life-giving, life-changing people. And fruit that is born out of Jesus and his spirit of self-control, of forgiveness, of gentleness, of patience. I'm describing to you the fruit of the spirit people want to be around. And doesn't it kind of just feel, especially lately, it's probably all the time, it's just seasons of humanity, but doesn't it just feel like we collectively need a new vine to latch onto, that to, to be connected to? We're all looking for something. We're all looking to be connected to something or someone or some ones. We're looking for something to hold us down. And I think we need a different vine as a whole. Some of us need to reconnect to the vine. Some of us need to connect for the first time, cross that line, finally make that decision and say, I'm going to connect to something that has endured thousands and thousands of years of human history because it's true, because it's real. And honestly, you're just tired of fruit that's produced by politicians and businesses and money and some of your friendships. Those are branches that need to be pruned. Not because you're mean, not because you want to be unkind, but because they're producing bad fruit. And I'm not saying you need to push everybody away. We're a church for imperfect people. Okay, that means imperfect fruit. Okay, some of us know we're just imperfect fruit. You know, we're the peach that kind of fell a little too hard on the ground. And we're okay. You know, we're still valuable, but you know, we're a little bruised up. Okay, and I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying we got to be wise about the fruit and the people that we're connected to. That we should think about seriously connecting ourselves to Jesus and looking at him for direction. And really following him. Because we produce fruit no matter what. So let's be sure it's good fruit. So who's keeping you rooted? Who's keeping you rooted? If you buy into this idea that all of our actions produce fruit, who is your root? Who is your vine? Some of you, it's what is your vine? Because you try to find it in material things. And ask yourself, is it really working for you right now? Like, is it really working? Or is it kind of like a roller coaster kind of comes and goes? Does it, does, it keep, does it bring spirit or peace to your spirit? Does it bring peace to your spirit? I mean, think about this in person and, and, those of us, and those of you watching online. Even when you lose, you're the loser. Even when an unfair or unjust situation happens to you. Even, even when... Um, when you feel upset and frustrated by how other people are responding to a situation and you're trying to do the right thing. Isn't it true that, that there are other options? Isn't, isn't it true you could have gone a different way or you can go a different way? I'm not saying it's not, it's not easy to do that. I'm just saying you could. You could choose. You could go against the flow. Not to be a rebel. 
Not to push back against the man, but because you want to do the right thing. You want to do the right thing and not find your affirmation or your, your, your strength in things that don't last, that are honestly nothing in the long term. I think when you connect to Jesus, you're far less willing to compromise. I feel like you're far less willing to give in to peer pressure, to pick one side or the other. I think when you're connected to Jesus, you're empowered. You're empowered to think for yourself. You're empowered to think in new ways because your nutrition, your life-giving comes from him. Because the God, God, your creator, is your king. And he has brought you life for you to give to others. I think that's where real freedom is. As Americans, we love the idea of freedom. I think freedom really comes when we're rooted in the thing, the creator who lasts, who is eternal and forever, and who loves you unconditionally. And it's not easy. I personally, I still struggle with it. I fall victim to comparison traps all the time, uh, feeling like I've failed, especially when other people look like they're winning and and I'm looking like I'm I'm losing. But I know deep down the foundation of what's in here is solid. That's why I keep going. That's why as I talk to some of you, you know, it's been quite a ride at Infused Church. I mean, coffee shop, new community, back here, gym, and then we're back here, and then we're gym, and then we're back here, and then we're gym, and then we're in a whole new community online for a year and a half, and then we're outside, and then we're back here, and then we're in the gym, and we're back here, and it's like, what's going on? Does Taylor even know what he's doing? And it's like, I hope so, but listen, that wears on you. But the reason I keep going is because I know why I keep going. I know where I'm rooted, and I think you could be rooted there too. And it's not easy, and I don't always do it right, and I'm imperfect too. But heavens, I know at the end of the day what really matters, and I know where I'm rooted, and we're going to keep going. Even if we got to go back and forth like a dozen more times, we're going to keep going. This is life changing. You don't need to give in to the world to find happiness and peace. You need to root yourself, to connect yourself to that which produces good fruit. Let's be a different voice in the world. Let's be a different voice in our families. Let's not do it because it's popular. Let's not do it because it gives us the most likes. Let's do it because it is the right life-giving thing. It's harder, but it's honest, and it's real, and it's the right path to take. Get to know Jesus. Connect to him and find peace when you do. If you would pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your son who came down to teach us, to model for us, and to help us to grow. Help us to grow in a way that lasts, in a way that changes lives forever. Not just while we're here on this earth, but forever. We get the opportunity to breathe life because you breathe life into us. We have a choice to make to where to root ourselves. We have a choice to make to acknowledge the fact that all of our actions, all of them bear fruit, to take that seriously and to take you seriously. Heavenly Father, help us to make the right decisions. Help us to trust and discover who we need to be connected to. Help us to take those reasons we've resisted you for so long And be honest that 
a lot of them, and I don't say this to be mean, but a lot of them are just excuses. They're just reasons we've dug up that we don't have to surrender. We don't have to surrender to the giver of life because we, we think when we do that, we give up our freedom. And instead, the truth is we find freedom. We find peace. We find joy. We can have joy. We can know we're on rock solid ground, even in the storms, even in the trials, even in the unjust and unfair seasons of life. We can walk away from those seasons when we see people do things that, that we don't think are right, that, that shouldn't have happened, that, that aren't true. And we can, we can smile, not because we're you know, ignorant of, of the pain and the hurt that's happening, but because we are connected to you. And you will outlive us all. You were there at the beginning and you will be there at the end. And that is the God that we can trust in. Thank you for sending your son so we could know all of that. And we can trust in all of that. And we can find hope in life, peace in life. We can find the trueness, the realness of life as it was meant to be in you. Lord, help us to be honest and true to ourselves, for those around us, and for you that you are the Lord, you are King, and that's where we should find our strength. In your name I pray, amen.